need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes, Service Academy Football. Now, here are your hosts, Price Atkinson and Bill Rowland. We've got a big week ahead in Service Academy football. I'm Price Atkinson, and he is Bill Rowland. And you are our listeners that we appreciate tuning in and listening this week and every week. Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. Liftoff on Episode 7. We got a couple games to recap from last week. We got some game balls to give out, Bill. We got some games to talk about this coming weekend, some big games. And we got a guest this week, Chad Chatlos from Turnkey ZRG, a former Navy football team captain, and then some. We will talk with him. Bill and I spoke with him earlier in the week. But um, we are excited to do this with you again during the college football season bill how goes it my friend yeah things are good and and we hit it with last week we said it would probably be a one-on-one week but a two-and-oh cover and navy came close but uh they did they did cover the number as we expected so they're playing better week by week uh will it be enough to get them you know two or three more wins we'll see but at least they're being more competitive Yep, I went out on a limb. I had my gut, it was my gut talking to me. And at about halftime or close to halftime, leading 21 to 7, I thought that my gut might be right for once, Bill. But that's a great jumping off point. Let's get into it. Uh, Navy and SMU last weekend, number 24 SMU, a 31 to 24 winner over the midshipmen. SMU stays undefeated, Bill, at 6-0, 2-0 in the American Athletic Conference, while Navy 1-4 now, 1-2 in the conference. But, you know, while Navy almost pulled it off, up 21-7 midway through the second quarter, it ends with a gut gut punch loss, you know, up uh, a couple scores, and it was the special teams that did Navy in once again. Yeah, and that's the disappointing part, because the week before we thought they had fixed all of those problems, and then they creep up again. And, and to me, it was just a matter of time before SMU chased them down. And, you know, we talked about it. If SMU got to the 30-point range, it was going to be real tough for Navy to hang with them to be able to score that many points. And that's pretty much what happened. As, as soon as they got to halftime and both teams had 21, I just felt like, man, I don't, I don't think Navy can get to, to 40 points against this team because they, they just were starting to slow down a little bit. And they held him even for the third quarter and then had the ball a couple times in the fourth but just never could get that one big play, that that one another turnover that they needed, whatever it was. So a little bit disappointing in the result, but you had to still feel, if you're a Navy backer, you had to feel good about how hard and how well they played against the team that's ranked in the top 25. Yeah, they did. And, you know, it seemed like uh, SMU was a little bit like Houston where, you know, Navy had the advantage in the first half, in, in my opinion, Bill, but they just kind of upped the game. You know, they just kind of, you know, their defense, you know, got a little bit more stout. I don't know, make some adjustments at halftime, you know, with the triple option. Clearly, they don't see it very often. So those 15 minutes at half, really valuable, you know, for the coaching staff to, to try and change a few things around. But, you know, giving up that kickoff return up 21 to 7, I mean, it took the proverbial wind out of Navy sails you know when you're up 14 you're feeling good your defense is playing really well you know but then in the blink of an eye 95 yard kickoff return midway through the second and you know that's that's your defense plays so well you know you know you get two turnovers in the game you win the turnover battle plus two you get an interception right down I think near the right at the goal line you know you force the fumble Diego Fago recovers the heart and soul of that defense and Man, you got to like a couple minutes, you, I know it was seven minutes left in the first half. You got to think you're going into the locker room. Just don't give up the big play. You know, we're in a good spot to win this game, but just another big special teams, you know, miscue or in this case, play by SMU. I mean, it just didn't, you know, Navy in and, you know, Tanner Mordecai, 30 of 40 as advertised, 324 yards. I mean, the passing games continuing to torch the Navy secondary. And they did it again um, on Saturday last week, Bill. Yeah, you get out, you get out gained by over 150 yards and, and to be within a touchdown you got to feel pretty good because it wasn't a Navy game if you look at the numbers that sets up for them to win they barely won the time of possession was only about a a four to five minute difference there Um, they were seven of 17 on third downs they need to be higher in that regard now I give them credit because SMU was only two out of 11 
right uh, you know on third down um they did convert both their fourth downs but so they did a nice job on that the problem is when you look at the again the raw numbers of only 12 first downs for navy you can't you're, you're just not going to be able to sustain that because that means you're not even getting the four five six minute drives that may end with a punt you're basically going a lot of times maybe three and out maybe you know four five and out and you're not keeping the ball away from SMU. And, and I felt that's where they kind of lost that game was the inability to keep drives alive and to chew even more of the clock than they wanted to. 32-28 time of possession advantage, that is not what Army, Navy, or Air Force wants. They needed to be 35-25 or, or better. And, and, and to me, that's kind of where that game was lost. The inability not on scoring drives, but those in-between ones where you can chew up more clock and get your defense a little more rest. Yeah, and if that number of first downs, instead of 12, if it's, you know, up, upper teens, 18, 19, 20, you're seeing that time of possession go from 32 up near 38, 39, right. 40 minutes, and that time goes down in the first downs for SMU, and clearly, you know, when they can strike quickly, you know, you take the ball out of their hands, that's a couple of possessions that, that ends up equating to, you know, so, you know, yeah, I mean, the 2 of 11 on third down, you know, Navy's defense does the job there in, in getting off the field, but the offense has got to act as that you know, other defense, if you will, by keeping the ball. And it's keeping the ball in terms of playing keep away, you know, from these offenses that they're going to see. So Navy falling once again, 31 to 24 to number 24 SMU mids, one in four overall now, one and two in the American Athletic Conference. All right, Bill, uh, going out west, the Air Force Falcons, they keep it rolling 24 to 14 at Falcon Stadium over visiting Wyoming. The Air Force Falcons now 5-1, and 2-1 in the Mountain West Conference, leading the Mountain Division. And it was the opener for uh, Wyoming. Air Force never trails in the game. And, you know, they score a touchdown on their opening drive of the game for their fourth straight game, longest scoring drive of the, of the season two for the Falcons, 8 minutes, 18 seconds. Um, you know, they never looked back. The game was tied a couple times. But, you know, Air Force continually getting off to, number one, a good start scoring early in their defense continues to be outstanding yeah great job in the second half to shut out Wyoming after you know they got up 14 to nothing it looked like Air Force was going to cruise in this one and then uh, Wyoming able to put together a couple of drives and scoring late uh, in the second quarter to uh, tie this thing up at 14 in fact they scored with 15 seconds to go in the half which that's got to be frustrating if you're Coach Calhoun. Mm -hmm. You're just like, oh, we dominated these guys and we give up one late. Um, but they came out and, again, just right back at it. Uh, it shut out Wyoming in the second half. And and we've talked about the last couple of weeks. That's really what Air Force has been kind of hanging their hat on is that defense getting better and better. Now, they didn't get the shutout, and that's what a couple of the defensive guys have talked about, that their goal every week is to get a shutout. We know in this day and age of college football, that's not necessarily a possibility. But to hold Wyoming to just 14 points and really just a couple of drives in that second quarter, uh, they did a nice job. And, and it, it kind of went, you know, Price, we talked about it last week. We said this is a game that Wyoming will stick around. Ultimately, Air Force will get away from them in the second half. And that's exactly what happened. Now, they didn't blow them out in the second half, but you shut them out. And that's just as good. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, the Air Force defense still leading the way in the Mountain West, um, you know, in the Mountain West Conference, um, doing the job, you know, scoring defense 13th nationally, uh, giving up just 16 points a game. Um, but the offense, you know, they continue to move the football. Brad Roberts over 100 yards again in a touchdown. He had the first touchdown of the game, um, you know, um, excuse me what's it name is taylor um corbin taylor, corbin taylor you know, yeah. recovered a fumble in the first quarter he's been a playmaker on defense had three solo tackles um you know you didn't get the shutout but you pitched a second half shutout you chewed up a lot of clock with the ball um and you didn't make many mistakes either i mean bill you you, you gave up one turnover but you only had one penalty for five yards that was it a very clean game for air force who leads the nation in time of possession it it just over 40 minutes a game. I mean, that's incredible that you lead the nation. It, you're having the ball two-thirds of, of a football game. They were just shy of it, 38 minutes and 48 seconds uh, last weekend. Uh, but Air Force right now is rolling, Bill, uh, 24-14 to 14 over Wyoming. Troy Calhoun's team playing 
when it comes to both sides of the ball, I, I get more and more excited about this Army matchup coming up in early November because both those two teams playing so good, uh, both offensively and defensively, Bill. Yeah, you look at the defense uh, from from Saturday for Air Force, and they did a remarkable job. Again, the offense, we're used to seeing them you know, drop 300 yards rushing. They only got 222, so their offense wasn't on, you know, clicking in full. But their defense does a great job. Sean Chambers, the quarterback for Wyoming, who came in, and he was having a pretty solid year, 11 of 28, so well under 50% there, only threw for 143 yards. As we've talked about over and over again, the service academies have to be able to stop teams throwing the ball on them. You go and look at Navy. They couldn't slow down SMU through the air. They end up losing the game. Air Force able to slow down uh, Wyoming through the air. They gave up 166 on the ground themselves. You know, actually, when you look at the yards per rush, Wyoming had a better day. But when mm-hmm. you then hone in on only giving up 143 through the air and you hold the quarterback to under 50% and you sack him four times, it doesn't matter that they ran for 4.2 yards a carry because you're controlling that offense, and that's exactly what they did. So, again, I'm with you. I was more impressed with what they did defensively on Saturday than maybe what the offense did in churning out. Again, a nice job by Zeke Daniels, 7 of 10 for 110 yards and a touchdown. You'll take that every single time out of the triple option. They did more on defense, I thought, than they did offensively. Yeah, and you mentioned Daniels. He didn't. The Air Force didn't. I don't think they threw a pass until the third quarter. I mean, he was seven to ten, 110 yards, and you know the uh, the 13 yard touchdown pass to Micah Davis to break the 14 14 halftime uh, you know tie was in the third quarter. All that was you know after the break. I'm pretty sure seven to ten, 110 yards and a touchdown. That's a pretty good day in itself. You know, for four quarters for an Air Force quarterback. That was just in one half alone, Bill. So start spreading them uh, out. They're going to start going five wide here. They're going to start changing the whole look. <laughs> yeah, and Micah Davis, you know, he, he catches that touchdown pass but he also carried six times for 21 yards he's he is that other playmaker besides you know he's you know the third of the three amigos maybe now you know along with uh, Daniels you got Brad Roberts and then you know what Micah Davis can do is, is a slot back you know is wide receiver running back can play all over the field you know that's another weapon that you've got and you need an abundance of weapons especially when the more you got in any offense the better you're going to be especially you know in a triple option bill yeah, they did a nice job. Again, we know that there's going to be games when you're going to see 13, 14 people get carries or touches or whatever it is. When they blow somebody out, you're going to go deeper into the bench. They couldn't do that uh, on Saturday, so it really did have to stay basically in the hands and, and the touches of those three guys, Micah Davis, uh, Daniels, and Roberts. And when Roberts gets 33 carries, he got half of the carries in the game. They're trying to control the clock. They're just trying to grind you down. They end up with 20 first downs in the game. That's kind of what Air Force, Army, Navy, they all need to do that type of stuff. So, uh, again, credit to Coach Calhoun for realizing that this wasn't going to be an offensive explosion like we've seen from Air Force in the past. So he kind of mixed things up, but he made sure to, to kind of ride that bell cow in Brad Roberts. And, and, again, they've had the one loss that they're going to – we say it every week – they are kicking themselves for what happened against Utah State. Yes, they are. And before we get to our interview with Chad Chatlos, let's give out some game balls, Bill. I don't know if you want to go first. Um, you te- I, I'll, maybe I'll go because you teed it up right there, kind of. Uh, Brad Roberts, um, 33 carries, 140 yards, and a touchdown, scoring the first, uh, you know, finding the end zone to get Air Force out to a 7 nothing lead, and that was a lead they never gave up during the game. I mean, it, the game was tied a couple times, but they never trailed. Roberts now going over 100 yards four times this season in four of the six games for the Falcons and six uh, 100-yard games and 10 career outings for uh, Brad Roberts, the senior from Arvada, um, Colorado, excuse me, the junior from Arvada, Colorado. Um, The engine that goes, and when it's fullback, you know, the quarterbacks are the ones that pulled the strings. They're the ones when it comes to ball security. They're the ones uh, that really make the engine go. But you got to have a B-back, a fullback, and that's something that, you know, Navy doesn't have. That's something the Army does have. They've got several of them, and that's certainly, you, you know, 
who the fullback and that B-back is for Air Force, and it's Brad Roberts and nobody else. You know, the compliment that he gives to Daniels, you know, offensively is that one-two power punch between the tackles. Roberts is steady Eddie. He does it every single week. It feels like he's over 100 yards almost every time out, and he does it again this weekend. So I'll give him my game ball, Bill. Yeah, you could almost just kind of tee it up every time they win. You're probably going to look at the numbers, and it's going to be Brad Roberts. Uh, as, as a game ball for Air Force. For me, and I, I normally don't like to do this in a, in a game that they lost, but he had such an outstanding game and was all over the field. I'm going with the junior linebacker from the Naval Academy, Johnny Hodges. 14 tackles, twice as many as anybody else on that Navy defense. He also had a tackle for a loss. He had the interception. He had a pass breakup. Again, he was everywhere. If you watch that game, Every time that Navy, you know, tried to get at least a stop or slow him down, it seemed like Hodges was right in the thick of things. So I'm going to go with him uh, as my game ball this week. Even though they lost, it was a gallant effort by that Navy defense, uh, especially early on when they were able to get the turnover and, and get them out to a 21-7 lead. And even held SMU to only 10 in the second half. So Hodges mm-hmm. gets my game ball, and they're going to need more performances like that from him and some other guys on that defense uh, as they, pl- again, go through a gauntlet of a schedule here coming up before they get to that Army game, uh, you know, later on in December. All right, let's uh, let's step away real quick, Bill. We're, when we come back, our interview with Chad, Chad Chatlos with Turnkey ZRG, former Navy team captain, uh, works with athletic departments and schools on hiring coaches, athletic directors, and then some get his take on this edition of Navy football, what's going on across the service academy landscape, what it's like, you know, finding coaches, you know, that might be attracted to service academy jobs, you know, leadership, him serving in uh, – the Marine Corps and some of the work he does with the SEAL Legacy Foundation. We cover a whole lot, uh, does Bill Rowland and I, with our guest coming up, Ch- Chad Chatlos. And we tell you right now, make sure you download, listen, subscribe. Also, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts every single week. Make sure you download, listen, subscribe, search Yards and Stripes, and you will find us because the more people that find us, the more uh, listeners we're able to obviously get and get this in the ears to you and college football fans, certainly, but Army, Navy, and Air Force fans. So just download, listen, subscribe. We will come to you once a week, usually midweek, every week during the college football season to keep you posted on what's happening with Service Academy football. But Bill Rowland and I will be back with Chad Chatlos from Turnkey ZRG coming up next. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Mannion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the words he spoke before his final deployment, if not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Mannion Foundation. And through TMF, these words can live in you too. Show the world what you're made of, because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org. Welcome back to Yards and Stripes, everyone. Bill Rowland, Price Atkinson, and joining us, a special guest this week, Chad Chatlos. He is the managing director of Turnkey ZRG. He is also a former Navy football player and a former Navy football captain uh, for the midshipmen back in the early 90s. Chad, first off, thank you for joining us today. And I guess I want to start right out of the gate with your impressions of this Navy football team from week one and also against the Air Force, didn't look real great. But last couple weeks, they've come close. They got the one win against Central Florida and, and, and took SMU right down to the wire. Yeah, no, well, first of all, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, excited to always talk Navy football. But uh, rough start this year. I, I was actually at the Air Force game and didn't recognize the offense. And even when we struggled in years past, we've always been able to move the ball. Um, but, uh, you know, we have like 30 some you know, rushing yards or something that game, right? I don't know what it was, but yeah. So, but, but, you know, I never, I never doubted that the guys would fight, the coaches would fight, that they'd figure it out, you know, with that offense, if you don't have an experienced quarterback, it's, it's always kind of a crapshoot. And I think that's what they, you know, we saw that a couple of years ago when they were playing around with Malcolm Perry and a couple of guys before they went with Malcolm. Um, and now this year, you know, trying a couple different guys, see what works. But uh, great to see them moving the ball, scoring points. And, you know, with, with Coach Ken and the group and the captains, I mean, you know, I knew they would not quit. And I knew they'd fight and figure it out. So not a surprise, but uh, would have been great to see them get that finished against SMU this week. 
You know, Chad, you know, leadership, obviously something you know a lot about in your, you know, career, you know, you served in the U.S. Marine Corps, um, you know, currently in, in your role with Turnkey and, you know, certainly as a, a former Navy football team captain. But, you know, what about the leadership of this coaching staff? Because when you get down, your back's against the wall. I mean, knowing Coach Niamatololo, you know, he's a fairly quiet guy when you see him talking in public to the media and its speeches. But in that locker room, he is as fiery as you get the kind of leadership that it takes for a coaching staff to navigate and keep your team on the rails, so to speak, give us a little bit of that insight that, you know, that coach Ken and this whole entire staff, what they've done. And, you know, even with the loss on Saturday, you know, they, they still played a lot better. Yeah. Unfortunately, I know too much about that. My junior and senior year, we were 0 and 10 uh, and we beat army to go one and 11 and we, um, we, and we, were, we beat Tulane in the other year, but lost Army my senior year. But so one in, one in 11, two years in a row. And I can tell you, we never quit. I was just every game we felt like it was our season trying to go one and oh and trying to get a win. So I think a part of it is just the culture of the Naval Academy, to be honest with you. And, you know, what you're learning there, what it's all about and, you know, the brotherhood. And so, so again, not surprised. I think the, the character of the kids there, but then also the character of the coaches. Uh, especially I do a lot of work in the power five, just, you know, in my, in my day job. And I see teams and coaches quit all the time. You know, they get down, they go either 0 and 4 or 1 and 5, and you just see kids quit. And you're just never going to see that in an academy. I mean, even the Air Force or Army, you know, too. But, you know, really the stability of the coach. I had four defensive coordinators in my four years at Navy. So, you know, the lack of stability was tough. We had two head coaches. But I think, you know, that's what's so great about this staff, you know, Kenny and the group, most of them have been there, you know, 15, 20 years with a couple exceptions. And I just think that stability helps helps you navigate difficult times. And, um, you know, we're just, it's being proved out this year, you know, so because the kids, you know, struggled and the team struggled, but now they're starting to find, find their uh, their speed a little bit and, um, and play together and start to play a lot better. So not surprised, but it does take, it's a gut check and it takes a lot of character and our coaches have that. Chad, obviously service Academy football, it's a little bit different than a power five because these guys are going off to serve their country. And in some cases we've lost some former players, whether it's air force or army or Navy. I know you do a lot of work with the seal legacy foundation. Can you just give us a couple of minutes on, on what you guys are doing there? Yeah, so I've been very fortunate. My Navy football teammate, uh, best friend, Mark McGinnis, we've known each other for 30 plus years. He was number 25. I was 26 at Navy, so we lockered right next to each other. But we were Marines together for a couple of years, stationed together in Camp Lejeune area. And then uh, he, in our service, transferred to the Navy SEAL, uh, Navy SEALs. He got out about a couple of years ago, so he did about 15, 17 years in the teams. But, uh, you know, he lost a lot of brothers um, in the extortion 1-7. And... Um, Man, it's been about 10 years now. So he immediately, uh, you know, filed for a 501c3 Seal Legacy Foundation. They figured out there's going to be a lot of, you know, widows, kids without fathers because of that one event. And we stood it up 10 years ago. Uh, my part of the on the advisory board is to help raise money, um, which we do usually through golf and other events like that. But uh, tremendous, tremendous program. Really focuses on a couple of things: the Guardian program, the scholarship program. And then an opportunity and partnership with home base. Uh, the biggest thing facing the SEALs right now is the TBI, PTSD, and actually suicide problem because of the, you know, the, the ramifications of the traumatic brain injury and post-traumatic stress. So what we've done is a fund through all the fundraising we've do, have done, uh, a partnership with home base, you know, basically MIT, Harvard's, you know, um, set up up there and any SEAL active duty or, or retire can go free. And, uh, We've, in the last 10 years, we've raised over $12 million. We've given a ton of weighted scholarships. It goes, as soon as it comes in, it goes out. A lot of kids are going to school. A lot of widows are going to school because of the generosity of our, of our donors. But it's just been a lot of fun to be involved with. You know, just for me, you know, as being a Marine for, you know, six and a half years, you know, been around a lot of great people. But these SEALs are just another next level, and not because of what they do, but just because of how humble they are. Uh, they they ask for nothing. You know, you think these guys are the biggest heroes. They'd expect everything, you know, from their country, but they don't. But, you know, to be able to help them and help their families um, when they're going through a tough time has been very rewarding. And, uh, again, you know, it's it's run by SEALs. The board is all SEALs and, you know, very little overhead. I think we're up at 97 cents on the dollars going to 
to the family. So it's been a lot of fun to be involved with. And again, we've raised a lot of money and a lot of friends and, and making a lot of things happen. All right, continue with Chad Chatlos, Chad Chatlos, Managing Director of Athletics Administration and Coaching with Turnkey, um, also works with the SEAL Legacy Foundation, SEALLegacy.org. And Chad, let it, what are some of the events you guys have, you know, through the year to raise money, raise awareness? How can get people get involved and, and help out the SEAL Legacy Foundation if, if they want to? Well, the easiest way is what you said. Just go to SEALLegacy.org and, you know, there's, a lot of information about what we're doing. There's an ability to make donations on there. We don't, we don't do a ton of events a year. We do about eight to 10 signature events a year, a couple golf events. We did the, the one I worked on mostly is the signature event called the Trident Cup. It's a kind of a two day rider cup thing. We've done it at Whistling Straits, at Pinehurst. They've done it at elite golf courses, raised a lot of money there. But we, we have a gala in Dallas. We do an events in Houston, Boston. Uh, we have a gold jack, uh, jacket event in Tampa with the NFL and the, and the Hall of Fame uh, gold jacket uh, members. So, you know, eight to ten kind of events. They're all on the website. And uh, But, again, it doesn't. you don't have to go to an event. You're, you just go online, read about what we're doing, and make a donation. It's much appreciated. Hey, Chad, in your job here working with all the different – you mentioned, uh, you know, working with Power 5 schools. How different – and do you have to kind of draw yourself back sometimes? Because you, obviously, playing for Navy, are accustomed to a certain culture that you, you know, grew up around and played in. And then you go to these Power 5 schools, and sometimes, as you said, you see whether it's a coaching staff or a team just kind of quit. Is it, is it ever frustrating for you? I'm sure you would never say it to a client, but do you ever look at it and go, this culture isn't what I'm used to. This is hard for me to understand. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that's been, you know, it always amazes me every year is when kids, uh, you know, forego games, forego seasons, and, Listen, if you're gonna if you're a top NFL pick and you want to get injured, I get that. But when you skip bowl games and you're like, I just I live for every game because, you know, you're not you're guaranteed what 48 if you're you know if you play all four years and don't get hurt, and you work so hard. I mean, you know, the number of hours you put in to prep for the year, you know, the game time is actually like one one hundredth of the time you put put into it. So like you know, just seeing these kids not enjoy and take advantage of their college games just kind of blows me away. Um, you know, you're all, you're one play away from never being able to play again. And, uh, you know, just, I never took that for granted. I can specifically remember my junior year, the, um, army game again, we were 0 and 10 and, uh, our junior year, we we're up 24 to three against army, about ready to win at six, five, six minutes left army called timeout. And I was sitting there in the vet on the middle of the field. Just, I just told myself, I said, look around remember this moment, you know, uh, we, when we were driving into the game, we drove right through the cadets and the cadets started shaking our vests, yelling, oh, and 10, oh, and 10. Like, and we just stuck it to them. Like, you know, and listen, we, we lost five or six games by less than a score. I mean, we were, we were better than certainly oh, and 10, but we just have, you know, Naval Academy back then, I don't know if you remember, our schedule was Virginia, Boston College, North Carolina, Pitt, Air Force, you know, Notre Dame. I mean, you know, we just didn't have a conference that, you know, and nothing against the American conference, but I think it's a better fit for the Naval Academy. And it's just like more on par. We're, we were playing, I think we played the 23rd hardest schedule my senior year in the, in the country. So anyway, um, you know, I just, I think I always try to take, you know, a visual a snapshot of what was going on and really remember it, which has been has helped me 30 years later to really appreciate my Naval Academy football experience. And, and, you know, I was just back to the Air Force game, like I said, and tailgated with a bunch of my, the brothers that I played with. And, you know, it's again, 30 years later, and it's almost like you never left. So, um, but yeah, when I'm working with some of these schools, and I, I don't know if you mentioned kind of what turnkey ERG is, it's an executive search firm. I help as a consultant. I help ADs hire coaches. I help chancellors and presidents hire athletic directors. Um, you know, was fortunate enough to work on five football searches last year. We did Texas with Sarkeesian. Uh, Arizona with Jed Fish, South Carolina with Shane Beamer, Melzon to UCF, and then Lance Leipold to Kansas. Um, you know, so sometimes it's 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 about candidate identification, but most of the time it's about running the process. You know, doing the background and vetting checks. I mean, you saw with the John Gruden thing, you brought it up when we were, before we started. Like, you know, that's a lot of what we do is that background and vetting to figure out if there's anything in the closet there, if there's anything that would be embarrassing to the organization. Um, a lot of times people ask me, what do you, you know, why do you need to search for to figure out that Gus Malzahn is a good football coach? Well, you don't, right? But, you know, working with their agents, doing the background and betting, making sure there's a fit, um, 
you know, we, we're big on diversity in our searches. We want to make sure we have diverse candidate pools for our clients. So getting to know young underrepresented coaches um, is a big priority for us and in every sport. So we don't just do football. We have some men's and women's basketball, track and field, strength and conditioning, you know, volleyball, baseball. So anything that we can do to kind of help an athletic director or, or college uh, as it relates to a, a major, major hire is what we do. And on that note, I'm curious about something, Chad, because, you know, culture, fit, um, clearly the academies are, are different animals. You know, they're not power five. Yes, they're, you know, part of a group of fives, you know, schools and obviously an Army's case independent, but you get the point. And you've got long tenured coaches. I mean, Niamatololo, what, 15 plus years. I mean, Munkin's been down, you know, he's the least tenured, but I mean, um, Troy Calhoun's been at Air Force forever, obviously played at Air Force. So, you know, how coveted maybe are these academy jobs? Number one, clearly no opening. And, you know, do we expect an opening? Who knows? But how coveted are the jobs? And when you look at trying to find fit into the military culture, all the commitments these guys have um, to play football, but also military in the classroom, getting an Ivy League education, finding the kind of coach and, and clearly the style of football they want to play. How hard is it to find those kind of guys to fit their, these three programs? Well, it's a good question. I've never had to do it because, like you said, the tenure for these guys have been pretty long. Um, you know, I, I would equate it on the power five level to doing almost one for like Northwestern, Duke, or Stanford, right? When you talk about the academic rigor and at the academy, the military rigor. And I think, you know, one of the things too is for years there, there was if you were good enough, you still couldn't go to the, the pros, right? And now they've got a little bit of a window again. I think that thing's changed so many times in the last 20, 30 years, like depending on who's president and who's, you know, who's the, the, the chief, uh, chairman of the Navy or Joint Chiefs, whatever. Um, Secretary of the Navy, um, but yeah, I mean, listen. If, if let's say if Ken retired tomorrow and Chet called me and said, "Hey, I, you know, help me out here," uh, I, it, it, it is going to be a challenge to find the fit, and that's why I kind of like these the, the the trees, right? Like the Paul Johnson tree's been so successful with Kenny and Jeff, right? I mean, you got Brian Bohannon down here, my neighbor here in Atlanta, and Kennesaw State doing a good job. You've got internal people, you know, like Ivan and Ashley, you know, that have been around it a, a long time, and uh, so it, it just depends. The first thing I would say to Chet would be, what do we want to do? Do you want to run the same system? Are we looking in the same tree? Uh, you know, we're trying to get maybe like a Jamie Chadwell type at Coastal Carolina that that, that does different things with his talent, spreads it out a little bit. Um, and just really try to find, and by the way, that's how I do it with all my clients. I, I don't really talk about people at first, like candidates. I say, hey, what, what, are, we trying, what are you trying to do here? What's your, what's your philosophy? What's the challenges? What's the culture? Um, what can, what can we do? What can we, what can you pay? Right. Cause that's a big, that's a big one too. As far as, you know, if you're going to go uh, hunting for coaches, you got to know what you can spend on them. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, for Academy, you're going to, you're going to have someone that wants to embrace it. Anybody that's going to come in and use it as an excuse of, well, I can't get these I can't do that. That's the wrong person. Right. I mean, you have to want someone to, and I've talked to other coaches who always have told me, Hey, if Kenny goes, moves on or something like I'd be very interested in you want people to run to the job to embrace everything the academy has as opposed to some of the restrictions on you know nutrition and timing and training and academic rigor and you know um, those are always going to be there that, that that place isn't changing um, and nor should it so um, you know you, you want someone you want to find a coach that you know accentuates all the academy has to offer as opposed to you know maybe complaining that you know, we can't do this, this, and this. Chad, again, we appreciate the time today. One last thing for you here for me, and then I'll let Price finish it up uh, from his end. When you look at how successful Army has been the last couple of years, how successful Air Force has been, especially this year, the one loss they have to Utah State has got to be killing them right now. Um, taking your Navy bias aside, and I know that's a hard thing to do when you talk about the other service academies, how much pride do you take in the fact that these teams are doing so well and and you look at it and say, hey, I played for one of those type of schools and, and we can be a team that goes 10-1, and 11-1 and, and, and maybe playing in a, in a major bowl if everything works out. How, how much fun is it to watch, even though it's your rivals in, in Army and Air Force, how much fun is it to watch them have success kind of on a, in a bigger stage? Yeah, it's funny, you know, 
for years, we went two and two against Army, and you know we hated Army, but at the end of the game, we loved them. They were it was great. You know, we, we got along and we respected them. Air Force, we didn't really. Uh, you know, we were zero and four against them, and they just kind of acted differently. I mean, I give Fisher to Barry a lot of credit. They they had some swagger to them, and they knew it. Um, you know, that's the years they were beating Ohio State in bowl games and in and, and different things. And um, but now it's funny because I have. You know, I've, I've gotten a friendly relationship with Jeff Monken and Troy Collin just because of the business I'm in. And the ADs, Mike Buddy and, and um, Nate Pine at Army and Air Force are really good friends of mine. So it's hard to, you know, not love on them a little bit. Um, obviously, when they're playing Navy, it's a different animal. But, um, yeah, there's a sense of pride to that. You know, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, they're thinking about going to the Naval Academy or any of the academies. I say, listen, when I got recruited there 30 years ago, someone told me that the academy is a great place to be from, not at, meaning it's hard as hell on a daily basis there. But when you, if you make it through, it's a life changer. And, and like when I go into the room right now, when I get introduced to places I go to, it's always former Naval Academy football captain. Like, you know, I've got buddies that were captain the Penn State football team. Like, they don't get introduced, you know, like that, you know, because it just has a – you know, there's a respect to it that people give about not only getting through the academy, but also succeeding on an athletic level. So, um, you know, so I take a tremendous amount of pride in that. And you know, when people want to talk to me about Navy, Air Force, Army, and Service Academy football, you know, I'm all about it um, because I think, and, and here's a great example, you know, there's Chad Hall was a great running back at Air Force. He's in Atlanta. And, through a mutual, he's a coach with the Buffalo Bills now and through a mutual friend, he called me this, this year and they want to play golf in Atlanta. And, you know, I was went and played golf with him. And he was just like he could have been one of my teammates at the Naval Academy. And it's like literally we're all the same, right? I mean, because if you've gone through it at West Point Air Force or Navy, there's just this common bond brotherhood thing of uh, understanding only what you know, right? You can't you can people can know about what you've gone through, but unless you've done it, um, it's just a different animal. So yeah, I'm I'm always excited to see when the teams are doing well. I mean, listen, I, perfect season for me is Army and Air Force having one loss, both the Navy. And, uh, you know, Navy winning the commander-in-chief. So, you know, we're, we've been close a couple times. Usually two of the three service academies have really good years and one's kind of down. I don't know. It's been a while since all three have had a really good year at the same time. Actually, a couple of years ago, maybe, um, Air yeah, Force maybe yeah. had nine, ten wins. Our Army had nine, ten wins. Navy had our ten, eleven wins. So. Yep. All right, Chad, last question before we let you go. One thing that you miss most maybe about Annapolis, is it a, a crab dip at Reardon's? Is it sailing out on the Chesapeake Bay? Is it a, a big hearty milkshake from up at Chicken or Chicken Roots? Is, what is maybe one thing you miss most about Annapolis or even the Academy? Well, Reardon's is gone now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when my, when I, uh, when our, when I was there, our place was Griffin's, yep. which was next to Reardon's. I think it's called West End or something like something. I don't know what the name of this is now. But, yeah. uh, um, but you know, uh, it's funny you say that because I've been there probably more than most people would because my brother lives there. He was a Naval Academy football player, and he, he and Frank Shea kind of, kind of run the Navy football brotherhood tailgater every every week. And my parents now live in Annapolis. We are from Pittsburgh. So I get back probably more than, than others would. But, uh, you know, what I miss, this is going to sound weird. It's actually more of an envy. I don't know. I was on the yard, you know, this year for the Air Force game, and what they built there at Ricketts Hall, and, and my weight room was in the eighth wing basement. <laughs> I mean, you know, and we thought we had it awesome, you know, and man, just to see the facilities, like Chet's done a really good job of of raising the money to build the facilities at the stadiums, unbelievable, the locker room, the weight room, the training, the you know, the offices. Um, I still go into Ricketts and remember because I GA'd year, I go, I was up to the third floor. And we had this little corner office that's still there. We, we made a bunch of our recruiting calls. But, uh, yeah, I would say it's less about what I miss, uh, even though the love of the food and, and, and down in Annapolis. But I'm just envious of, the, you know, the, what these kids have. You know, they got the training station, fuel station, got great weight room equipment. The Under Armour partnership has been unbelievable. So the, the swag that these kids get is we used to have to beg our equipment manager for an extra pair of socks. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, anyway, I go by these kids' locker and it's stuffed with shoes and socks and gear. So very envious, but you know what? I'm happy for them. And uh, again, I think Chad and the 
administration has done a great job of raising money to, to uh, raise the level of facilities for the, for the kids. Chad Chatlos, again, thanks for hanging out with us today, Chad. We appreciate it. He, once again, is the managing director of Turnkey ZRG, also a former Navy football captain from back in the early 90s. Chad, thank you very much, and uh, good luck to your Navy guys the rest of the way. Yes, thank you very much. Beat Army. Once again, thanks to Chad Chatlos of Turnkey ZRG for joining us. When we return here on Yards and Stripes, Price and I will preview this week's contest, Air Force, Army, Navy, all in action this week. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Manion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the five words he spoke before leaving for his final deployment. If not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Manion Foundation. Words that live in veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians who go out of their way to find a way, who help others with the help of others, who bounce back after each setback who make good on good intentions. Through Travis Manion Foundation, if not me, then who, are words that can live in you too. Show the world what your character is made of, because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org. That's travismanion.org. Welcome back into Yards and Stripes, everyone. Bill Rowan along with Price Atkinson. And now it's time to take a look at the games for this week for the service academies. We've got an early one, much like they do in the NFL and other college football landscapes. Navy draws a Thursday night primetime matchup. They're going to take on Memphis this week. Three and three Memphis. And uh, they've actually dropped three straight, all of them one possession games as Navy will head to Memphis to take on uh, the Tigers in the Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium, a 6.30 local time kickoff. What are we thinking about this one, Price? Again, Navy has played better the last few weeks. You know, Houston, the win against UCF, and then close game against SMU. While Memphis on the other side, again, they've lost three straight, all of them, though, one possession games down the stretch. Yeah, I believe, what, five of their six games decided by, like, 19 points combined or something like that is Memphis and, what, a 10-and-a-half-point 10, 10 uh, favorite um, in this game at the Liberty Bowl, Bill. Um, you know, the seventh all-time meeting series tied at, at, you know, three wins apiece. You know, both teams two and one at home. But that last trip to Na- for, uh, for Navy to the Liberty Bowl was a pretty memorable one, and it was the Liberty Bowl itself against Kansas State winning 20-17, to 17, a thriller to cap an 11-win season in 2019. But, you know, this is a game, it matchup on paper, a lot like uh, SMU last week, Bill. You know, for a lot of reasons, you did not like it last week. I don't like this one this week for Navy. Um, I think that this one is really slanted, certainly in Memphis's favor. The way they can throw the ball, I mean, they rank 11th nationally in passing offense, 323 yards a game, 11th in total offense, yard shy of 500, um, you know, 20th in third, uh, 20th in the country in third down conversions at almost 47%. And Memphis is notoriously and notoriously, and they do again have good special teams. It's been a calling card uh, going back to Mike Norvell's teams when he was in Memphis. He's obviously not there anymore, but, you know, their their punt return and punt return uh, defense, uh, they average, I think, 44 yards a punt, seventh in the country. I mean, their special teams are good. This is, to me, a recipe like my gut last week was going against the grain on SMU. My gut is not going against anything this week. I mean, I think this one really favors Memphis despite I know having lost three straight. Yeah, and it's tough because the games, you look at the numbers for Memphis and you just kind of rattle them off, but all you got to do is just look at the schedule and look at the point totals that they put up. Now, I'll throw out week one when they beat Nichols 42-17 to because, yeah. again, it's Nichols, but Arkansas State, they rattled off 55 points. Mississippi State, they scored 31 and, and beating them by two. They dropped 28 in the loss to UT San Antonio. They had 31 against Temple. They had 29 against Tulsa. Both of those were losses. But you see, if you're going to beat this team, you got to be in the 30s to win. Um, Arkansas State even scored 50 and lost to this team. That, to me, is what worries 
uh, me towards Navy winning this because once again, they're going to be expected to keep up with a team as far as scoring points. <clears throat> Memphis can score a lot of points and they do it quickly. As you mentioned the passing offense, but they're running game is pretty good as well averaging 177 of ball game so mm. they've got some guys that can run the ball they're just again an explosive fast-paced offense that's what worries me about navy now i've seen the line anywhere from eight to ten could navy hold on and cover that perhaps but this on a short week i just worry about a navy recovering from playing smu memphis is at home they score so quick to me this is just like a 34-20, 37-20 type of ball game. Unfortunately, I don't think Navy pulls this one off. Yeah, you mentioned the the short week. Uh, a little note on that. First time since, I believe, 2004 that Navy's going to play on a Thursday after playing on the previous Saturday. And they did win their three previous outings that were on short weeks. Um, it's been a while, but in, they were pre-coach Kenny Matololo teams. But history has been on Navy's side at least um, in the last 20 years when they've had to do this. They've been able to come through. But I'm with you, you know, the short week. And then it's sometimes when it's on a short week and you might be playing an opponent that might be favorable. You know, this is pre-AAC days too. This is not the big boys you're going to be facing against Memphis. It's loaded with another, you know, bunch of boatload, 26, I think, transfers, you know, and their defensive line is always massive. I just don't see this one going Navy's way, Bill. The, The only sliver, Price, that I will give Navy an opportunity is because it's a short week, Memphis hasn't had a lot of time to prep sure. and, and maybe that helps the, the the other side of that though is memphis has seen this in the past because navy has been obviously in their conference so you're not coming in and running this offense that they haven't seen before if you know if they hadn't you know scheduled another triple option team or whatever it is yeah so they've seen it but it's still a short week to prep for it so that to me that's why they maybe navy sticks around for a little longer than people think but I think ultimately, I just I just worry about Navy getting worn down again that short week and, and the pressure that they're going to put on that secondary over and over and over again. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's pivot to uh, let's pivot to our next game, Bill, and this is a big one: Army at Wisconsin. Army four and one coming off the bye week, taking on Wisconsin two and three overall, one and two in the Big Ten. You know the Badgers uh, got a big shutout on the road, twenty-four to nothing at Illinois last week, only giving up twenty-six rushing yards in the game. This is a game, you know, the Badgers have lost three games this season, all of the ranked teams, number 19, Penn State, number 12, Notre Dame, and number 14, Michigan at the time. This is the first showdown between these two schools ever. Something's going to give here because we know how Army can run the football second in the country and in rush yards per game. The Badger defense only giving up 41 yards a game, leading the nation in terms of uh, rushing defense. Their second total defense at only 217 yards a game. The Badgers love to run the football and play good, sound run defense exactly like the Black Knights do. What is going to give in this one, Bill Rowland? Well, I mean, it's to me, when you look at this this type of game, and I know all season long you've been kind of pointing to this one saying, well, I don't know, the Army might be able to upset them. Army might be able to pull it off. When you have two teams that now stylistically they're not the same. Wisconsin's not running the triple option, but they do want to run the ball. When you have two teams that want to do kind of the same thing, I always side with the team that that should have the better athletes. And sure. to me, that's Wisconsin. They run for 208 yards a game, which is a lot for a team that's not running the triple option, that they're also passing the ball as well because they average 171 through the air. And we know that Army's not going for 171 through the air. I mean, it'd be a stunning turn of events if that's how it went down. Um, so it's a two-touchdown uh, line as far as Wisconsin 14 point favorites I might feel a little bit better about Army had they not really played so poorly and their <laughs> lost outing against Ball State that to, that to me took a lot of shine off what they had done early in the season I like Wisconsin in this one I think it's going to be one of those games where that defense again just a bigger stronger power five school athletes I, I think army's going to get swallowed up in this and and they'll have some success here and there again because of the way they run their offense and it's tough if you don't see it week in and week out but i think ultimately again this is one of those games that wisconsin 
about midway through the second quarter into the second half, they're just going to wear these guys down and, and kind of float away from them in the, in the second half of this game. Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard kickoff on Big Ten Network. 14-point um, favorite is Wisconsin. I think Army I think Army covers for sure. Um, can they pull off the upset? I <laughs> I don't know. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a close game. Um, like I said, I think they cover. I think the difference. You know, here, here's what Wisconsin has done in terms of giving up rushing yards to their opponents. They only gave up 50 rush yards to Penn State, 16 to Eastern Michigan, three to Notre Dame, 112 to Michigan, 26 last week to Illinois. Um, I think Army's going to be able to run the football. The big thing is third down convert, two things, third down conversions, because Army is one, they average uh, over 40 yard or 40 minutes a game, time of possession. I, mean, I said earlier, the Air Force led the nation. Actually, Army leads the nation in time of possession at 40 minutes and one second per game. Third down conversions and then special teams. Special teams flipping the field with a punting game. What can you do? Can you flip the field? You know, field goals, you know, getting, th- you know, threes are going to be big, you know, to come, you know, they're going to be hard to come by too. I mean, touchdowns are going to be really hard to come by, but, you know, threes sometimes work just as well. I think you'll see Army a lot of fourth downs in this game because Army is also going to roll the dice. They've got really nothing to lose, obviously, except a game. Right. Um, the pressure is all going to be on the home team in this game. It'll be a night game. We know jump around will be going crazy, but you'll see Army throw some things out there and they done it before in some of their non-conference you know big time you know power five non-conference uh, matchups i think this is going to be a fun one i think this is going to want one where people you know mid on saturday night are going to like whoa what's going on there They're, they might be flipping over big, T- big 10 network to catch some of this second half bill well you talk about the third down conversions and that is a big part of what army has to do unfortunately for them wisconsin this year is only giving up 24 percent on third downs and yep. the funny thing is, you mentioned you you ripped off all the, the number of yards that people were getting against them. And I think you said they only gave up three rushing yards to, to Notre Dame. Is that Was that the number? Uh, to, to Notre oh, Dame? T- to Notre Dame, uh, they gave up three. Three yes. yards. They lost that game 42 to 13. Yeah. And they gave up three. So that's what I'm saying. You need to throw to beat Wisconsin because yeah. Notre Dame didn't run on them at all. That's what worries me is because Notre Dame looked at it and said, we can't run on these guys. They roll up 42 points on them. Army can't look at them and say, we can't run these guys. They, they look at it and say, we have to find a way to run on them. That's why I think it may stay close. Like I said, I'll give them credit for a half, maybe. But I just think Wisconsin's going to wear them down because everything that Army does well, Wisconsin is good at stopping, and Wisconsin's athletes are better. Now, maybe they overlook yeah. them because it's in the middle of the Big Ten schedule. So it's possible that Wisconsin overlooks them and Army's had two weeks to prepare. So sure, they could throw some gadgets or some other things and catch them by surprise. It's always a possibility when you're talking about 18 to 22-year-old guys. But, I mean, to me, this is this should be a win for Wisconsin. Unfortunately for Army, it should be a win for Wisconsin. Will it be tight here, Tyler? Christian Anderson, we'll find out uh, under center for the Black Knights. Final game before we get to our Travis Minion Foundation honor roll segment, uh, honoring a fallen hero that we wrap up every episode of the podcast with. Big one out west in the Mountain West Conference. Air Force going to Boise State. Five and one Air Force, two and one the Mountain West at three and three Boise State. One and one in conference saturday night 9 p.m eastern standard time kickoff on fs1 boise a four-point favorite in this game coming off a big win at number 10 byu last week in which the broncos forced four turnovers and held the cougars to just one touchdown over the last three quarters However, Air Force going on the road. You might think this would be a big-time favorite on the Smurf turf for the Broncos. Air Force is 2-0 and on the road this year, but they've lost four straight to the Broncos. Can Boise State make it five in a row, or can Air Force go to 3-0 and away from Falcon Stadium this year, Bill? I can't wait to see how this one plays out. This is going to be a good one. This is a letdown game. That line is four. I'm taking that four and backing Air Force in this because – Again, Boise State coming off the big win against BYU, so obviously all of a sudden they're going to be start thinking that they're you know pretty good, and and you beat a team like that, that that's a pretty nice win. But they give up 177 yards per game on the ground, so they're mm-hmm. not good at stopping the run, and we know that's what Air Force wants to do, and I think Air Force is going to frustrate this team as they do so many others, and Boise State's going to want to you know again 
quick strike. Let's throw the ball down the field. They don't run the ball real well. They average less than 100 yards a game as a team. So this is going to be, again, one of those frustration-type games where Boise State says, we just beat the number 10 team in the country, and Air Force is going to play keep away from them. I like Air Force to ultimately probably win this one. Let's call it 30-24. to 24. They get the big win on the road. Boise State suddenly looks up and says, well, that win against number 10 BYU might be the only highlight we have for the season. Yeah, Air Force uh, receiving votes in both polls, 33 in the AP, 35th in the coaches now. This is going to be the 10th all-time meeting that Boise State leads the series, six wins to three losses. Um, you know, But Air Force leading the nation and rushing 341 yards a game. Uh, first in the Mountain West, 13th nationally in scoring defense, giving up just 16 points a game. You know, the Air Force defense, and I think it's going to have to come to play. I think they will. You know, Boise, that four-point favorite, I definitely think that uh, that, that Air Force is going to win this baby uh, straight up and cover that spread, no problem. Um, but a, a chance for Troy Calhoun's team, you know, to do something and get to 6-1 and one this season, that would be the first time since 2002 that the Falcons we're starting a season at six and one. They got a chance to do it on Saturday night at nine o'clock at Boise State on the Smurf turf. I think this is going to be one of those entertaining games. A Saturday night is going to be a cold night there in Boise, uh, but I think Mountain, the Mountain West Conference, and what Air Force is doing, both sides of the football, I think it's going to be fun. I think they're going to win outright. Bill Rowland. Well, yeah, and Boise, that's what I, I think so too. Because Boise again, not great against the run, and they give up almost forty-five percent on third-down conversions. I mean, that's just playing right into the hands of Air Force. If you're going to give up a bunch of third downs, if you're going to allow a team, and, and probably some of those misses is Boise State getting teams into like, you know, third and 12, third and 14, stuff like that, because they've got a sack or whatever. Air Force isn't going to be in those long ones unless there's penalties. They're going to be in more of the third and three, third and four, you know, third and one type situations that they're used to converting and grinding out drives. And then every once in a while, uh, Daniels is going to step back, hit a, a nice little pass for a 15, 20-yard game, catch guys off, off, you know, off balance, not ready for it. I think, again, the way the Air Force defense has been playing as of late, and they were better than the offense, as we talked yep. about in the game against Wyoming, they should win this game. I think the offense gets back to clicking. They'll hold Boise State less than 30 points easily. I, I, again, I think they get maybe to 24. It's a 30-24 ball game to me. And that's a, an Air Force win, and they're going to keep moving up the polls, and they will eventually, I think, get into the top 25 before the end of the year. All right, coming up next, our Travis Mannion Foundation honor roll segment honoring a fallen hero. You can find out a lot more about the Travis Mannion Foundation at travismannion.org. Check them out. If not me, then who? Those words that Travis Mannion himself spoke before deploying that final time. And we will do our TMF honor roll segment coming up next and close this one out right here on Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. All right, we've come to that time here in the show, our Travis Manning Foundation Honor Roll segment, where we honor and remember the life of a service member who has given the ultimate sacrifice for our country and for our freedoms. And in conjunction with the Travis Manning Foundation, if not me, then who? The mantra that Travis Manning himself spoke before leaving on his final deployment as TMF now works with family members and families of veterans who have lost a, a loved one in local communities across the country to continue uh, their loved one's uh, legacy of character uh, in service. And the one we're going to remember this week and talk about is Megan Malia Lalani McClung. She was 34 years old when she lost her life on December the 6th, 2006, while riding in a Humvee that hit an IED in the Al Anbar province of Iraq. And Major Megan McClung, serving in the United States Marine Corps, who was born uh, in Hawaii, grew up in Orange County, and then graduated from Mission Viejo High School in 1990. She became the first Marine officer killed in the Iraq War and was also the first female Naval Academy graduate killed in Iraq. And Major McClung, who was serving as a public affairs officer, she had served uh, active duty with the Marine Corps, then went to the reserves before joining a private contracting firm. But then she decided to go back to Iraq when she uh, re-enlisted and uh, was deployed in January of 2006 as a public affairs officer. 
there. So uh, Megan McClung, who was a uh, vaunted gymnast in, in high school, went on to the Naval Academy, as I mentioned, uh, where she was an active triathlete, uh, marathoner. In fact, she competed in six Ironman competitions prior to her death. And she did graduate Boston University uh, shortly before her death with a master's degree in criminology. Uh, but her parents said, quote, people always told us they felt better after spending time with her, end quote. And she is uh, somebody in her family, uh, just like her mom and dad, came from uh, a family of service, uh, service members, uh, you know, family members, a long history in her family of those who served, uh, including her father and her mother's uh, family, uh, Mike and Ray McClung, her mom and dad, who she is uh, survived by. But Major McClung was honored through TMF's Character Does Matter program uh, that was presented during the Naval Academy Summer Seminar Series and their STEM program camp for rising 11th graders. And her story was shared with those 11th graders and that story uh, of character and service. And so we remember this week Megan Malia Lalani McClung, Major McClung, who again passed away uh, in December 2006 when her home be hidden IED in the Al Anbar province in Iraq. We say thank you uh, to Major McClung, her family, uh, and those that loved her so much. All right, let's wrap up this episode seven of Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. I'm Price Atkinson. He is Bill Rowland. A couple notes to pass along really quickly. Um, Air Force adding a couple of future home-and-home opponents this week, announcing Arizona and University of Texas San Antonio as future home-and-home opponents. Does Nathan Pine, the athletic director for the Air Force Falcons staying in Air Force in Colorado Springs. Junior outside linebacker Vince Sanford, who has had a fantastic season, uh, the 6'1 playmaker from Ohio, uh, named the Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year and the Maxwell Football Club's Benaric Player of the Week award winner. Had six tackles, one and a half tackles for a loss, a sack, two forced fumbles and a fumble recovery last week. Just a fantastic uh, day on the defense for Air Force. So congratulations to Vince Sanford, the junior out of Ohio. And then on a little bit more of a somber note, um, decorated Army four-star general and former Army, the 38th chief of staff for the Army, Ray Odierno. He passed away last week. And I mention that because um, he had football ties, clearly. Um, 2019, he was selected to a three-year term on the college football playoff selection committee. Uh, but is the chief of staff for the Army, he had the fi- one of the final say in the hiring of Jeff Munkin at the United States Military Academy. So Ray Odierno passing away um, last week. So our condolences go out to him and his family. So a couple just quick notes to pass along, Bill, as we get out of here and look forward to another what I think will be an outstanding October weekend is fall is definitely in the air. Yeah, and you look around the college landscape of what happened last week. I mean, I know we both said that we expect that Wisconsin will beat Army, but hey, you know what? An unranked team beat number one Alabama last week. So there's always upsets. There's no reason to think that it couldn't necessarily be that uh, Army finds a way to beat Wisconsin, certainly possible. I like that uh, that schedule for Air Force coming up, getting Arizona, another you know Power 5 school, not so far away, so it's a nice, easy trip. Anytime you can get the P5s to agree to play you, uh, it's a good thing. So well done there by Air Force. Yeah, I agree with you right there. I think it'll be a great weekend. Uh, well done by Air Force and certainly a non-conference game that Air Force or Army has got this weekend going to uh, Camp Randall in Madison. Uh, should be a fantastic scene. Those students, they bet, and those season ticket holders better not take these black nights lightly, Bill, because we know what uh, Army has done in these non-conference, especially some of these Big Ten matchups going to the big house. They will not be intimidated one iota and i know red jeff munkin was reading how much he enjoyed watching you know wisconsin play last weekend on television because he loves that style of play but he said this is not the kind of style of play i might like to watch it but it's not what you want to have to prepare for and they are they will be a headache uh on saturday bill yeah no doubt and 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 i don't blame him he looks across there and he sees those big guys across the front line and they're putting guys into the NFL every single year from their offensive line, and he's trying to figure out a way 
how he's going to slow them down when they want to run for, you know, 200, 250 yards against his Black Knights. It's, it's going to be a long day. It'll be a fun one, but it, it may be a long one for his guys uh, if Wisconsin gets it rolling. All right, congratulations to Bill and his Red Sox moving on. My Braves are moving on. So October is an exciting month, and we've got an exciting more college football with you this week. Thanks to Josh, uh, Josh, Chad Chatlos uh, from Turnkey ZRG, former Navy team captain. Had a great interview with him. Uh, excited for what's to come this weekend and the rest of October in Service Academy football. Don't forget to download, listen, subscribe. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcast platform is. Spreaker, um, another place you can get us. If you're an Android user, download the Spreaker app, um, and you can search and get us right there. It will be delivered right to your phone, your whatever device it is that you use, your laptop, every single week during the middle of the week to get you ready for the upcoming games and preview what happened the previous week. But, Bill, awesome as always. Great job. I can't wait to do this again with you next week, and hope everybody has fun at the games this weekend. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being with us for this edition of Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. A reminder to find us on social media through Yards and Stripes and subscribe or follow this podcast wherever you find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. And we will catch you next time on Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football.